Welcome back, everybody, to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the U.S. We are your hosts, like always. My name is Dr. Amrit Bilku. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepan Kar. Hi, I'm Dr. Ravinder Mandawa. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. And today we are doing our second episode of our new series, the new grad case reflection. Um, we want to say thank you so, so much to everyone who gave us feedback on our first episode of the new grad case reflection. I think it was probably one of our most popular episodes yet mm-hmm. and our most viewed on IGTV too. I mean, we had 700 views on that, which is significantly higher than what we usually get. Um, and just a lot of positive feedback. Um, so I, I personally want to say thank you again as well to everyone who reached out. Um, we want these reflection episodes to just be an open conversation about how we felt and what we thought through each case that we present um, so that everyone is reminded that we're human, we make mistakes, we're nervous, we're anxious all the time. And we're still learning as new grad ODs to be better every day. Um, So today, Rav is going to be sharing a case with us. And we'll kind of just go through it and kind of learn from her and share our thoughts as we go along. So we hope you guys enjoy. So this case that I'm about to present is a simple yet a complicated case. It's something that we can all relate to at some degree. So I'll, I'll be going over um, my train of thought, where I went wrong, and what I did right, and what I learned the most. So this case um, is about a 28-year-old Caucasian male. So he came to the clinic um, with complaining about pain, um, sensitivity to light, he had blurry vision, um, and this was all happening in his right eye. And it started about a week ago, um, and the symptoms just kind of got worse. So just by listening to my chief complain, what are your top differential diagnosis? Dry eye. (laughs) Dry eye. Mm -hmm. Sensitivity to light, blurry vision. Uveitis, yeah. Alex yeah. got it. Yeah. We were, job, we were joking. We knew it was uveitis. <laughs> we were, we knew. I'm still sticking with dry eye. <laughs> Every time I cornea. hear light sensitivity, I'm like, cornea, cornea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So uh, upon further testing, um, his vision in the right eye was 2070 and the left eye was 2020. He had oh, about wow. grade three cells uh, with mild flare and his pressure was about 10 on with eye care. So this was a case of uveitis. So this patient was originally seen by a different doctor. Um, that doctor started him on Maxidex, so which is dexamethasone, every one hour, atropine once a day, and told the patient to go see your family doctor for a, for a blood workup. Oh, so, atropine once a day? Yeah. This is 1% oh, wow. Takes away the pain. 1% atropine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So kind of talking about atropine. So like I know in school, we learned to prescribe homatropine. Mm-hmm. So either 2% or 5% twice a day for uveitis. So my first case ever as a Canadian OD, I prescribed homatropine and I get a call from the pharmacist yep. and the pharmacist was like, nope. Hey, just letting you know, um, this medication isn't available in Canada. Yep. And that was probably my first moment where I felt like, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> My dumb moment. Yeah. No, it's but really yeah. hard. Yeah. 
I think it's really hard to um, prescribe steroids, in my opinion, too. And even the steroid antibiotic combos, because all of the names that we commonly memorized for board exams are all American. Something like Keflex, I, I couldn't find initially on my list of Canadian medications. And I was like second guessing. I'm like, oh, wait, is it even here? Can I do that? Do I have mm-hmm. generic? Like, what is this? So, yeah. So it helps when a family member is a pharmacist. So if I'm never sure, I'll just text my sister and be like, yo, do you sell this? And then she's like, uh, yes or no. So sorry, Rev. You That's have to so true. Well, that. actually, my best friend is a pharmacist. Um, Sapta, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. So I always message her. But that time, you know, she never had time to message me back. So I was like, no. oh. It's homatropine, you know, like this is the first thing that comes Who to your head. Who doesn't have homatropine? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, what do you guys normally prescribe? I haven't, I honestly ever? have not had to manage okay. any uveitis patient yet. Yeah. As I had to do a follow-up from another doctor in the clinic because he wasn't yeah. there, but he just put this patient on Predforte. So there was no like uh cyclo or atropine or anything mm-hmm. like that that they put them on so well it i'm depends. still stuck on the home atropine part well right you're not <laughs> so. that canada doesn't have it or yeah. that you use something yes. different yeah. yes. <laughs> sorry keep going there's a lot of things we don't have and so i'm sure you're just like what is oh. happening over there <laughs> yeah. me, don't worry alex when they told me there's no homatropine i'm like yeah. i don't know how to manage this case yeah. what, do do? <laughs> what are the alternatives oh no yeah. yeah so my original case i ended up giving my patient uh cyclo just one percent um so that's a traditional go-to cyclo or um, a lot of people do um atropine once a day here i'm just so- surprised with atropine because it's like a seven day yeah um you know you'll be dilated for seven days and i don't I don't know how people would be able so to function with their data. Apparently, um, this was a case that was presented by a MD. Oh, apparently, okay. so they do it atropine every day because when you have uveitis, they say the cells don't function normally. Mm-hmm. So it actually oh it uses up the atropine faster. Faster. Yeah. So it actually wears oh. off faster in a diseased eye. So you be, you be because I was yeah. questioning that too. Why would you put an atropine every day? If it, if it lasts for like a week or so. Yeah, okay. That makes right. sense. It's just not as effective basically is what. Yes. It, it's yes. It it's not as effective gotcha. in a normal eye. Compared I to see. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this patient, um, he came back two days after, and this was the first time I was seeing him. So he reports like, good improvement in vision. Um, his light sensitivity was much better. Um, he had about grade two cells now, no flare. His vision dropped to 2150. His IOP oh. in that eye was six. But he and said he, he was had doing that, better? Yep, he was doing better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when he said he was doing better, I think he was talking about like his pain and light sensitivity. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so he still had that pharmacologically dilated pupil and the right eye. Uh, What would you guys do? So his vision got worse, but everything else was looking better. Better. Yeah. So his vision before was 2070 and now it's 2150. I would do an OCT and see if there's something, some sort of macular edema. Mm -hmm. Oh, Rav is just leading us there. She's like, don't worry. I'm I'm pushing you guys along to help. (laughs) Yeah. 
So he was dilated already. So uh, take a look at the back of the eyes, no cells or inflammation. Um, so that rules out any posterior uveitis. Mm-hmm. He had, we did, I did do an OCT. He did have normal foliar contour, no edema at all. Oh. He did have trace ERM, but it was not enough to reduce his vision. By that mm-hmm. much, yeah. So I was like, maybe he has some underlying hyperopia. So, you know, he never had an eye exam with us. So I'm like, maybe he... Oh, does gotcha. have some hyperopia now he's on atropine so that's why but everything else looked good did you scope him no i didn't oh, do okay. i didn't scope him well that's a good idea i should have maybe yeah. gotten autos or scoped him just to see if that was it but no i didn't do that what so, did you do rav <laughs> nothing actually i didn't do oh. anything because okay. everything looked okay so i was like maybe yeah. like i ruled it down to like maybe it's like hyperopia like that's not mm-hmm. corrected So even though he was already seen by a different doctor, and this was the first time he's seen me, what kind of questions would you guys ask? Well, like, so, so you said that the doctor recommended blood work, right? So I guess my question would be, did you get it done? So the old other doctor told the patient, oh, go see your family doctor for, for a blood work. Okay. And then, so I guess my question would be, did you go and are any results back or what did you even get your blood work done for? Like, what is that? Like, can I have that letter that the yeah. other doctor gave you? Like, what did they send so you? The for? other doctor didn't give any letter. He just said, oh, go see your family doctor for, for a blood workup. Did he see his family doctor for a yeah. workup? Um, no, he didn't. It was just two days ago. No, He's okay. like, nope, I haven't seen my family doctor. Oh. So, all right. Well, I would just kick him out and move on to the next one. I was going to say, like, I guess if you're thinking, you know, um, clearly the other doctor had a hunch, you know, with uveitis, yeah. you want to get blood work done for a reason because yeah. you want to rule out autoimmune conditions, any other systemic or health conditions. So I feel like, mm-hmm. first of all, yeah, asking, did you do that blood work? And then if not asking for those symptoms for like the conditions that you're suspecting, like Alex is saying ankylosing spondylitis. So asking, Mm -hmm. I guess, for back pain specifically, um, for autoimmune diseases, asking for fatigue or, you know, changes in their health or behavior. I don't know. Yeah. Stomach issues for like IBS. Is that, is that what you're kind of going into? Yeah. Yeah. No, those are good. Like, you know, typical uveitis questions you would ask so kind of like same same thing that Amory kind of said so that's the type of questions I asked you know I asked Mm -hmm. you know have you ever had any episodes before and the patient's like yeah I've actually been having uveitis on and off so he's like it alternates between the eyes for the past two years and he has had about four to five episodes I was like oh Oh. wow like that's a lot of episodes and you know I'm like it must be pretty frustrating that you're having uveitis every couple of months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, he's like, yeah, like, he's like, I just don't know. So then asked him a bit more about like, you know, back pain, any systemic conditions. And he's like, yeah, like I do get some back pain, but like, he's like, I don't think it's anything concerning. Like, you know, maybe just, I'm just getting older. I was like, okay. But you said he's 25. yeah, he's 20, <laughs> yeah. <Nine or laughs> you ain't getting that old <laughs> yo man sometimes I wake up and I'm like yo man I feel yeah. like I'm 50 <laughs> yeah yeah no I mean I do feel like that some days but yeah so then I asked him like you know like you've been having this 
condition for two years. Like, have you ever had any blood workup done? You know, I know the last doctor sent you. He's like, yeah. He's like, I was sent for a blood workup about a year ago by a different um, doctor, optometrist. And, uh, and he's like, everything came out normal. I was like, okay, like that makes me happy. Like at least he got some sort of blood workup mm-hmm. done. You know, there's a step is taken towards trying to figure out this. Would you guys send him again for blood workup? Yeah. Yeah, I think 100% mm-hmm. because, you know, even if things are negative once, that never means that it can, it's going to be negative mm-hmm. again unless you check. And then I think um, I, I don't remember the details, but I think for some autoimmune conditions and especially like arthritis, Sometimes those um, findings are not in a standard blood workup, right? You have to ask specifically for a lot of these factors to be checked. And then you have to check like more than one factor because if one's negative, the other could be positive. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta do a lot of workups, a lot of blood workup. But sometimes those blood work results come up negative, but they Mm -hmm. could be false negatives, right? So false positive too. Yeah. 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 So Yeah, I would definitely do a repeat blood work test. And that was a year ago. So that mm-hmm. condition could have been super mild, whereas now it's all accumulated over the year. His condition could be significant enough that it actually shows up now, maybe, mm-hmm. on a blood mm-hmm. test. In in Alberta, we actually have access to net care. Mm-hmm. So it's where mm-hmm. we can actually see a patient's previous blood work and a uh, nice. list of medications that they're on, um, even some conditions that they're diagnosed with. Mm-hmm. So I actually went on his um, his healthcare and I looked at his old blood workup. So I'm just going to kind of go over some of the testings that they did. So, um, you know, they did the generic testing. So they did his CBC, so their complete his complete blood count. So which just kind of gives you, gives the um, patient's general health. Mm -hmm. So, which was normal. Then they did his, um, looked at his ESR. So the erythrocyte sedimentation rate. So remember this measures how fast your, your red blood cells separates from the plasma. Mm -hmm. So a higher ESR rate is a red flag for inflammation. Mm -hmm. Uh, CRP, C-reactive protein. It, this is kind of the same thing, testing for inflammation. Um, they looked at his creatine levels. Um, that's just making sure the kidney's working fine. Mm-hmm. They looked at his ANA. Um, that's just testing for some autoimmune conditions like mm-hmm. lupus, um, inflammatory bowel disease. It had his RF, so mm-hmm. um, it was negative for rheumatoid arthritis. They did a syphilis, TB, both negative. Wow. So I'm seeing all this blood work. And there's one test I'm very curious about but it's not there which one is it so when we're drowning rab save us <laughs> you're thinking about anterior uveitis you're thinking about as amir said autoimmune disorders what's that one test are you talking about the one for the ankle i can't even say it the ankle spondylitis yeah. what's the test for that i thought it was all of the ones you just said HLA B27. HLA B27. Yes. Yes, Alex, you got it. (laughs) You know what the funny thing was is when you said blood test, I was like, yeah, we need to look for the HLA. Like in my brain, that's what I was thinking. But like, that's the most common one too. I feel like that's the first one that always shows up. But it's like, I never run, I never see blood tests for my patients. It's always, and I don't, we don't have net care at our clinic. We haven't signed up for that. So I'm just like, (laughs) go to your family doctor go get your blood test done and yeah. let, like your family, do- I'll correspond with your family doctor and they'll let me know. 
Yeah. But none of them ever, but like, then, never happened. That care is not even a thing here, so. Yeah, <laughs> not a thing for me. But then I think that's where the disconnect is. Like, when you're sending your patient to a family doctor, I feel like they need to know what is what is that you're looking for, right? Yeah. And I'm guessing, like, we always say, oh, let, yeah, go see your family doctor for a blood workup. But, like, what is it that they're looking for? Like, they did mm-hmm. all this testing, and there's one test that, should have been done wasn't done, done right yeah. like that was the yeah. number and I didn't one. even know that I thought that testing would have automatically been in there same I yeah. thought like when the patient was like yeah I got my blood work done everything's good I was like oh like that's good I'm like I just want to maybe see maybe something was very close to borderline being abnormal mm-hmm. that maybe will stand out to me but um it wasn't there so yeah um ended up so HLA-B27 um this test is associated with a number of autoimmune diseases, sorry, autoimmune disorders like ankylosing spondylitis, um, Reiter's syndrome. Yeah, that's um, like a arthritis or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, uveitis specialists are gonna destroy Hate us on this. <laughs> <laughs> we know what we're talking. <laughs> so, so yeah, like I end up actually writing a letter to his family doctor, you know, saying, "Hey." Um, I see that you got the blood work done about a year ago. Everything was healthy, but this patient's still having uveitis. And then we never got tested for HLA-B27. So let's do that. He um, And also stated in um, in the letter that the patient is having a little bit of back pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, it could be ankylosing spondylitis. You know, he's kind of following all the other categories. He's having recurrent uveitis that's alternating. Um, he's mm-hmm. young age. He's Caucasian. Um, so, you know, like maybe let's just get that tested out as well. Yeah. Um, with the patient, what I did was I told him, you know, continue the maxi decks every one hour for today. And then tomorrow we'll do every two hours and then I'll see you back in about two days. I think you brought up a good point, Rav, before you continue about how I feel like sometimes we assume that family doctors or other doctors that are Mm -hmm. not ODs or, or OMDs that they know what we're talking about. And I think it's a good reminder with this case that we really have to be specific um, with requesting blood work. Mm -hmm. Because again, right, if you just tell a doctor, you know, patient has uveitis, do blood work to to make sure nothing's wrong. They're going to read that letter being like, what blood work? Like, what do you you mean? And even with... um, This doesn't relate to this case, but especially when you're asking for neuroimaging, I feel like it gets very tricky when you're looking for a lesion or you want to rule out a a mass or a tumor, you have to still kind of guide them to let them know your thought process to be like, Mm -hmm. I, I really want, you know, neuroimaging for this patient, please pay close attention to the optic chiasm or the optic track on the left side or something, because if you don't, I mean, the, the, the patient that you're referring to those doctors, they never met the patient yet. So they never went through the case from start to finish like you did. So their thought process might be completely different. And, um, that's a good reminder to just, you know, to mm-hmm. be confident and be clear in the referral. Don't just assume that everyone yeah. is thinking the same thing as you. Yeah. Or else it's a waste of a referral. It all. is like you yeah. never got what you wanted and then the patient went through all this stuff and they thinking oh yeah they're all healthy but Mm -hmm. there's something that just got overlooked yeah 
So then uh, two days later, I saw him again and um, his symptoms were stable and patient actually ended up going and seeing his family doctor. Um, the family doctor did a pelvic examination and he said the test was not normal. He's like, it was abnormal. So he actually was referred to a rheumatologist for further testing. So I was yeah. like, okay, that's good. You know, getting, getting your referrals out. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of his UVA, so he had about grade one cells now with pigmented cells, no flare, and his vision was better now. So he's 2080 today. And then um, at that third visit, I was like, okay, um, I was like, continue doing uh, the maxi decks every two hours. Uh, for another two days and I'll see you again and then he's still on atropine at this point Mm -hmm. so his next visit so this is his fourth visit with us he did see a different doctor so his symptoms are stable his vision got better to better to 2040 so much better vision today yeah Yeah. but now this doctor saw about grade two to three cells so Mm -hmm. quite a, a jump so last time I saw him with about grade one cells. So now Sorry, this is cannot... a different doctor at your clinic or he went to yeah. a different, oh, okay, no, okay. It's okay. a different doctor at my oh, clinic. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, so he saw about grade, uh, this doctor saw about grade two to three cells uh, with two plus flare. And um, I trust this OD's judgment on cells. Sometimes it varies the way we measure yeah, grade, definitely. grade two from OD to OD. Yep. But this OD, um, she did a residency with ocular disease and she's worked alongside other OMDs. So she is very experienced. So I really know that she knows her stuff. So I was yeah. like, okay. Um, so she started him on Durazol and she started him six times a day and atropine to every other day. Wow, so Dur- six times a day on the Durazol. Yeah. Okay. Durazol mm-hmm. is a very strong, mm-hmm. a very potent steroid. Yeah. It's Isn't equivalent it to... It yes. is the strongest. Yeah. 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 It's equivalent to um, pretty much pred acetate 1% every one hour. Yeah. So six times a day. Um, have you ever guys used Durazol before? No. Nope. No? Are you scared to use Durazol? Yeah, I'm pretty similar to Amrit where I just never really had a lot of uveitis patients mm-hmm. yeah. outside of graduation. So yeah. okay. I always told myself though, if I did end up having a uveitis patient and um, I would start them on Pred Forte, like 1%. Yep. And if mm-hmm. they came back for the follow-up, not getting better or becoming worse, then I would put them on Durazol. But yeah. I've never so that actually... would be your second option? Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be my okay. second option. Yeah, I've basically all the ones that I've had, they've gotten knocked out with the Pred. So mm-hmm. I haven't had to use it either. Yeah, so the patient came back uh, two days later. Um, patient saw me, symptoms uh, stable, VA is even more better now, it's 2030, uh, one plus cells, no flares, pressures down to five. So this was another mistake I made. So this is with uveitis, it's tapering your patients off on steroids. Yeah. So I thought this patient was doing really well, you know, like, oh, the second time I saw him, his improving. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, every two hours, but the third time he saw the doctor, it flared back up. So this is where UBS gets very hard to trick. So it gets very tricky to treat is even though you're tapering so slow, you just don't know when that's going to flare up. So take your time with the tapering. I think I rushed it. I maybe I should have kept him on for once a day, a bit longer till maybe it fully cleared up. Mm-hmm. I started taping him when I saw about grade one cells. Um, that's a mistake I made. 
maybe in the future, if I had the same patient again, I probably would start him on Dorazol just because when you have recurrent uveitis, mm-hmm. it is harder to bring that inflammation down. Yeah. They are harder to treat compared to somebody who is first time uveitic, uveitic patient. Like you put them on them pred acetate 1% every one hour and the next day, everything's great. Clear. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's like day and night difference, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas this patient, um, it was definitely took time. Um, mm-hmm. And and even I kind of learned that and I was like, okay, you know what? Even though Durazol is such a strong steroid, I'm going to take my time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I spread it out to tapering once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, okay, five times a day, once a week, four times a day, once a week. Um, the patient also ran out of atropine at the uh, the follow-up visit. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't see any flare. And I was like, I guess there's no need for atropine. And he's not symptomatic anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of reminding ourselves, like, why are we using a cycloplegic, right? It's to mm-hmm. to prevent posterior sneaky. I'm like, there's no flare. Um, inflammation mm-hmm. is getting better. I was like, he doesn't need to be um, dilated all the time. So I was like, yeah. that's fine. I'm like, um, I think you're okay with no atropine. Yeah. Um, and it's like, um, I think what you just said there, where you might have like rushed the treatment. Oh. I even though I haven't, or sorry, rushed, like, you know, the tapering where you just kind of felt like, you know, maybe I should have given it a little bit more time. I feel like that all the time, even when I'm adjusting a patient's RX, sometimes a patient will come in and, you know, if they have accommodative issues and they come in with the glasses and they're like, well, I can't see with these glasses. They're not comfortable. Mm. You know, I've caught myself once or twice changing the prescription really fast and just being like, okay, here's the new RX, try this out. But sometimes you really just need to be patient. Try it again for another week or spend another week, you know, using this eye drop, using these glasses. And you'd be surprised at how many patients just recover with time rather than you always feeling like you need to solve the problem that day, right? You need to fix it right away. And, oh, things are getting better. Okay, I'm going to go to the next step right away. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so common. I feel like that all the time. I, I think that's, a, you bring a good point because I think that's why I said, oh, let's do every two hours because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you're doing better. And I was like, I get it, how annoying it is to put a drop in every one hour for like, yeah. he was already on it for three days and being yeah. on it for the fourth day. I was like, you know, like it's annoying. I totally understand. So I was like, okay, you know, you're doing better. Like, let's start taping you in. Yeah, that's where I went wrong. And, and Do you think that's connecting with us wanting to be liked by our patients too? Remember yeah, for sure. This, right? Because yeah. like now we're empathizing with them and yes. we're trying to be like, I know you're going through a lot taking these eye drops every day. I don't yeah. want you to be upset with me telling you to take them more. So now why don't you just take them less? Take them, take them yep. whatever you want. Take them a little bit less. Like. <laughs> We're just kind of no it definitely patients. is you yeah. put yourself also, in this patient's shoes yeah one of my attendings um from ico was told me that with tapering for uveitis it's it really depends on the patient so there's never a strict plan of what you can do and it all comes with a lot of experience so mm-hmm. i think for us like if we're not seeing a uveitis, uveitis patient like every day, 
it kind of becomes hard to be like, oh, what did we learn back mm-hmm. in school or usual protocol of tapering? And it just kind of comes from experience. So I think with this patient, Rav, you should like write down like what your tapering schedule was and try that for the it, next patient and hopefully. But then, yeah, it, honestly, you're right. Like it, it's also patient dependent too, right? Like mm-hmm. I've, I've actually had about like seven, eight uveitis patient, which I follow from beginning to end. I actually see a lot of uveitis. Yeah. So each one is so different, right? There's one that I had to involve uh, OMDs and we can, we still can't bring her inflammation down. She's on steroid meds um, and it's crazy. Um, and then other patients, like, as I said, like you give them predacetate 1%, and the next day it's all cleared and that's it. Yeah. Like easy taper every three days, you bring it down and that's, they're yeah. good. But um, it, it depends definitely on, I think and I think that's why case history is so important mm-hmm. to know, even asking the patient, like what other drops did you use? Which one worked for you? Mm-hmm. Where you dilated before? So just like getting that information too helps you manage the case a bit better. Yeah. Um, and then UVA, it's tricky. It's especially, yeah. we're just talking about anterior uveitis, posterior uveitis or intermediate u- uveitis. That's, that's a whole new level. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh-huh. that's, that's a referral, man. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I think the way that you picked up the blood work though was yeah. so rare because I think a lot of us and a lot of people listening probably will never have access to, you know, the, the blood, the blood work results even when I refer my patients to get blood workup done by their family doctor, I don't get the results back. The family doctor doesn't even write me back a letter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I don't even know what happened because I don't get what that happened? communication yeah. back. So having that sort of a network where you can look up their results, I think was a huge win for, I mean, the Alberta healthcare. I mean, for you guys to have that. Oh, is for so- sure. It's well, so good. In Alberta, we can order our own blood tests now for optometrists. Oh, we can. Oh. Yeah. But you have to be able to read them too. So Rav also could have yeah. sent out these blood tests. Sent them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would still involve the family doctor just because I'm not co- too confident in it. Like I, I felt like he had something else. I felt like he needed further for their referral. So mm-hmm. I just always like involving the family doctor. Good yeah. job. So what happened to yeah. him now, Rav? Like, how is he now? So um, I saw him about four weeks ago. So he had a couple of other appointments in between. It was just monitoring his tapering. Um, pretty much he was good. Um, his second last visit, um, he got his test results back and he was HLAB 27 positive. Wow. Yeah. So, so um, did they he, diagnose him with anything particular? So he is, uh, he has a follow-up with his rheumatologist in a couple of weeks. Um, they're going to do more further testings, but um, it looks like it might be just ankylosing spondylitis just from kind of his case history and everything he's having. Um, but yeah, um, you know, the patient was very happy. He was just kind of really fed up with whole, keep having uveitis. Like you're seeing like us every other every couple of days being on eye drops for um every one hour yeah it's annoying right it takes you can't work really like and being Mm -hmm. dilated in one eye so I guess I could imagine his frustration and he was um very happy that um you know somebody took an extra step and like he 
even though he's not diagnosed yet, but at least something came up, you know, sometimes the, the patient just needs to know there's something else, right? Like there's yeah. a reason why they're having this rather than just being like, oh, like, we'll just see you the next time your inflammation flares up again and yeah. we'll start you on drops again, right? It's like, like giving the, the Band-Aid treatment versus bandage, finding yeah. out why is this happening, right? That That yeah. happens so often with patients. They'll always come in saying, yeah, I've had this thing for, you know, every couple of months, every couple of years, this happens. And I'll go like, why? Mm. They're like, I don't know. It just happens. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to just give you, you know, an antibiotic again, Mm. because this happened. Like, why are you getting so many recurrent styes? What are you doing every day? What, you know, I don't want to just give you the treatment for it, but why, why are you, why is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. That was my case. And I guess my takeaway from this case would be um, do your own due diligence, you know, get the information, uh, write that letter to the GP, state clearly what exactly are you looking for, you know, be that person that takes the extra step. And Mm. I feel like we're not here, uh, us four, to portray how perfect or the best ODs we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we still make mistakes and we know we can't give our 100% to all our patients, you know. I am booked 15 minutes exams. I can't do everything I want for the patient. But, you know, I know I saw the patient for follow-ups and I know I had time. Like, okay, let me just see, right? Let me take the extra step. And I think that's what we want um, all our listeners to do. You know, um, take that extra step. You know, that's how we're going to grow our profession and, you know, help our patients. Second takeaway is just with UVI is never be scared to hit them hard. So, you know, if you feel yeah. like you have a tough UVI patient, start with Dorazol and it's okay. Just get it all cleared up, then taper. Don't taper and then it flares up again. Then you're st- starting all over again. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's my two takeaways. I was going to say, I think your case was a really good, also a really good example of what we learn in school versus mm-hmm. what actually happens in real life. Like, yeah. I don't know about you guys, like when we ha- learned about uveitis, these kind of concepts were hammered home to us. Like mm-hmm. blood work, look for these results over and over and over and over again. But when you're in yeah. the real world, it's kind of different, right? Like you're not always seeing those blood tests or what yes. tests are being done. And you just assume everything is happening and you're like, yeah. I don't know, like what's the problem here? So, um, just another reminder, you know, when things may seem simple, they're actually not. Like you really have to go, uh, you know, bend over backwards to figure out mm-hmm. things, especially yeah. seeing those red flags. And yeah, hey, Rav, I'm glad you did yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I said it's a simple yet complicated case because yeah, simple because he was doing good, but then it's complicated because right? it's, it's missing that information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just yeah. a lot of pieces to the puzzle missing. Yeah. yeah, I'd say one other big takeaway that we mentioned mm-hmm. was uh, be patient because I still have yes. to remind myself of that all the time. Like I said, sometimes if a treatment plan is not working right away or is working, but it's it, the the response isn't as as good as you hoped it to be, don't change your treatment plan right away. You know, as mm-hmm. new grads, I think we're really eager for we're that generation that wants fast results. And we don't want to put in the hard work or we don't want to wait for it and be patient for it to happen. Um, And I feel like I take that out on my patients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good job, Rav. We're proud of you. (laughs) For anyone listening to us talk about this case, please feel free to 
share your thoughts about it on our Instagram when we post our IGTV or any post associated with it um, or comment on the podcasting apps and let us know if you have any extra thoughts on what you agreed with Rav, what maybe what else we could have learned from it because that's what we're here for, always learning. Thanks everyone for listening to Four Eyes. Make sure to subscribe and check us out on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum for more eye-related content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. Until then, stay tuned.